Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Leah Zhang, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Los Angeles. She is the Movement and Alexander Technique teacher at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute. She has a private Alexander practice, and, and this is relevant for our conversation today, She's an ergonomics specialist at UCLA, where she has done ergonomics evaluations and trainings for staff and faculty. She's going to be speaking at the 20th anniversary of the National Ergonomics Conference about her work uh, uh, of development and integration into the UCLA ergonomics program. And we're going to talk today about the connections between the Alexander Technique and the field of ergonomics. Uh, Leah, uh, welcome Hello. to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we we met briefly at a uh, Alexander meeting in Long Beach a few weeks ago and arranged to do this talk. Mm-hmm. Um, Leah, could you begin by giving our listeners a short description or definition of the Alexander Technique? Yeah, I like to let people know that the Alexander Technique is a way for them to observe their own habits, whether it has to do with habits of movement or habits of breathing or even habits of thinking. And it's a way for them to observe those habits and make another choice to do something else. So the Alexander Technique helps them to have a little more awareness about what they're what they're doing in their lives. Right. And and if you could also give our listeners a short uh, definition of ergonomics. A lot of times when I'm talking to um employees about ergonomics, I like to say that it's a two-parted um I guess, definition. So part of ergonomics has to do with how the user, how the human being is working with their equipment, you know, in terms of how the equipment is designed and how it's functioning and whether it's helping to um, facilitate its, you know, its use as a piece of equipment. But the other side of ergonomics has to do with the human design and how that human being is using their sel- themselves, their own bodies, to interface with the equipment at hand. So it's kind of a merging of the two. Um, and oftentimes ergonomics is called human factors as well. Mm-hmm. And that second aspect that you mentioned, that certainly is where uh, some Alexander Technique training can can be very helpful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I find that a lot of uh, the colleagues that I'm working with in the ergonomics profession – Um, A lot of them come from backgrounds such as physical therapy or occupational therapy. And I think the Alexander Technique is a great fit um, to working with ergonomics because, you know, as an Alexander teacher, I'm also observing how people are moving, how people are doing the tasks that they are doing. And so I think it's a really nice fit. Mm -hmm. Because I think most people in the general public, when they think about ergonomics they think in terms of uh, adjusting the height of your computer screen or the location of your keyboard Mm -hmm. or the design of the chair you're sitting on that sort of thing yes and i don't think that most 
people go beyond that in their concept of what ergonomics is about. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's interesting because ergonomics recently has become such a buzzword in marketing and so it's used to describe a lot of things like ergonomic keyboards, ergonomic knives, you know, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. ergonomic swimsuits and so a lot of people tend to associate ergonomics with a piece of furniture, but if you ask, you know, even any ergonomist, no matter what um background they have, they will let you know that some of the struggles they come up with is um, is just that misconception is that people think it's just about the equipment when actually there's a lot of behavior that's involved in ergonomics and so you know behavior of the human being and how they kind of interface with the equipment right and when ergonomics people in the field of ergonomics look at that what kinds of frameworks are they are they using? I assume most of them are not familiar with the Alexander technique. No, they're you know I they're not. But I've been finding that they're very open to learning about the Alexander technique because the framework that they tend to look at it can um, mostly come from just posture, what they know about anatomy, physiology, about human posture, and how to kind of find that alignment. Um, but, you know, because the Alexander Technique does tie so closely with balance, alignment, and just the most efficient use of the human being, I think that ergonomists would be very open to looking at, you know, the behavior challenges that they're coming across from the perspective of an Alexander Technique teacher. Um, because usually the reference they make has to do with posture sometimes they take measurements Mm -hmm. you know they Mm -hmm. have ideal measurements of let's say you know someone who's six foot three his you know height when he's sitting um from his knee to the floor is going to be different from a lady who's five foot two so a lot of times they'll take those measurements and they'll use those measurements as a basic reference Mm mm-hmm but do they also think in terms of not just the height, but the way in which the person organizes him or herself to be at that height? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They definitely look at, you know, what else is happening? Let's say the knee height is correct, you know, but there's this person is still complaining of, discomfort in their lower back but then they'll look at well what's happening to you know the relationship of their head and neck and their back just like you know Alexander teachers might look at that relationship and now I think ergonomists with their different backgrounds they might phrase it in a different way so if they're a physical therapist they'll say you know oh their head is you know, extending or however it is in relation to the rest of their body. But I definitely think they look at the rest of the picture. Mm -hmm. And when you introduce Alexander Technique ideas to ergonomists, Mm. how do you do that? Do you talk to them primarily? Do you use your hands to show them the kinds of things we do? do? How do you work in the field? Well, in, in, I guess, you know, in talking to my colleagues, they're all very familiar with um, 
the hands-on work aspect of the Alexander technique. So when I do a little presentation for my colleagues, you know, I kind of give them a brief, you know, history of the Alexander technique and do some um, demonstrations of looking at habits and patterns, whether it's from sitting to standing or even, you know, just um, sitting and the relationship of the head, neck, and torso. Um, So they're very open to kind of just... Uh, an intro, like you might give an introduction to a group of newcomers. Um, Now with employees, um, depending on what the, uh, the establishment in terms of like UCLA, if I'm doing a training or a class for a certain department and they want more information about ergonomics, I'll still incorporate the Alexander technique and, have that as a tool and talk about some of the principles of the Alexander technique as I talk about, um, you know, the principles of the ergonomics of their desk or their computer and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and but you'll also do some hands-on work with them and, inter- and introduce them to ways of using Alexander technique ideas for themselves, yeah. that, that kind yeah. of thing? Absolutely. I think that it's it, it's really just getting at another way for someone to learn because I think that experiential part is so important to how they learn. Um, so, you know, I will talk about the the weight of the head, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I know a lot of Alexander teachers kind of use this example of a bowling ball. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of giving that experience. So, so um, let, let's just say what that is for our listeners who might not be familiar, that, that our head weighs roughly, what, 10 to 12 pounds? Yes. Which yes. is about what a bowling b- ball weighs. Yes. And which is quite a bit of weight to be way up at the top of your spine. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I do is I have my 10-pound bowling ball mm-hmm. and I pass it among the participants just to give them that experiential weight of that head, um, you know, and then I will detail how the head is poised on the top of the spine in terms of just giving them a little more, um, I guess, of an accurate, um, you know, idea that there's actually a joint between, you know, the bottom of their skull and the top of their spine and that there's a delicate balance. And then we look at how that bowling ball or the head weight is balanced on top of the spine. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of that is kind of through experience. And I find that, in a big group setting, they're really able to play around with that themselves. And I can kind of gently guide them and do a little hands-on. But most of, most of the time I find the, just the impact of the bowling ball and the weight and this new idea of where their head is balanced is so, so, um, you know, so much information that that alone opens up a lot of awareness for them. Right. I mean, just as it would for anybody who wasn't familiar with that, Absolutely. That's that's uh, and um do you would you tend to go into areas of say body mapping where you get them not just well of course the head neck relationship mm-hmm. where it is and what's going on there would be an example but do you mm-hmm. go into things like 
where the shoulder girdle is attached to the torso and how, Mm. you know, how the Mm -hmm. wrist and elbow joints work, that kind of thing as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. So the head and neck is a big body mapping thing that I'll uh, share with them. The another uh, body mapping component that I find helpful to office workers, especially, is the hip joint. Mm-hmm. So we'll look at the connection of the leg to the pelvis. And, you know, especially when they're sitting, that, you know, they a lot of times they don't realize that they're sitting on their tailbone versus on their sit bones or, you know, the ischial tuberosity, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. And so that's a big um, eye-opener for them in terms of the hip joints. And um, I hope down the line that I would love to expand it into more information about the shoulder girdle, about the wrists, you know, because a lot of times these trainings can be anywhere between 30 minutes to 60 minutes. And so... The information. That's not a lot of time, no, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> so the information that I'm able to share with them, I try to find, well, what's what's important and what kind of resonates, at, you know, for them at the beginning. And so I tend to stay with the head-neck-back connection and then, you know, some information about the hips and, you know, the legs as well. But I would love to expand into information about the wrists and the hands, things like that. Mm-hmm. And do you find that any of the people who come to these trainings go on to have lessons with you? Um, yes and no. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to gauge because I've had... So part of my work at UCLA, um, there's kind of two components right now. I'm doing a lot of the in-office evaluations and in-office training, but one of my goals going into the future is to develop more trainings and also more repeated or consistent, you know, Alexander Technique classes for these employees to come to. And I've started a few Alexander Technique kind of uh, drop-in classes already, and I have found people to come back. So people who I've done ergonomic evaluations for, they will attend that training. So yes, in that aspect. But then there are a lot of other employees who, you know, I guess I just haven't reached out to in that way. And also, um, they don't know about it. But I think that there's definitely potential there for them to uh, continue learning more about the Alexander Technique. Well, I'm I'm thinking that for people in the field of ergonomics and for people who work at jobs where they're subject to strain and often are in pain, maybe it would be useful if you could say a little about what they might expect if they came to an Alexander Technique class with you. Uh, mm-hmm. And as well, what they might expect if they came to a private lesson, just to give them some idea of what they might be in for and what they would get from those uh, experiences. Okay. Um, well, just to describe a little bit about what happens in an Alexander Technique class that I'm doing at UCLA is we come into the class and we start to kind of just talk a little bit bit more about the body mapping that I was just mentioning Mm -hmm. in terms of the connection of the head, the neck to the back. And then we start to look at just simple everyday activities 
and again look at what happens to that connection of the head neck and back as we're doing these activities because a lot of times for people in offices doing repetitive work they find that it, it, everything starts to get a little hazy. And before you know it, you find yourself kind of sucked into your computer and you're feeling a tension in your neck, you're feeling a tension in your upper back, and you're not quite sure what happened. So in the class, we, we spend a lot of time at just getting more aware and being more conscious of that connection and how when we lose that connection of the head, neck, and back, that some of these habitual tensions start to creep in because we're no longer, you know, using our bodies in the best way that they're designed. So at an introductory class, there'll be a lot of discussion about that, a lot of observation of themselves, of yourself, and of, you know, if it's a group class of the other people in your group. Um, and then some hands-on experience with the teacher, with myself, where I you know, might gently put my hands around by your neck or your head or your back to kind of give you more of a tactile experience of that connection and what we've been just talking about in the class. So, so, so would it be fair to say that one of the things you're after is getting people to be more sensitive to what they're doing so that they can catch the say the pain that they have experienced at a much earlier stage where it has where it's just the beginnings of it yes absolutely. where they have a lot more ability to let to let go of the pattern that's causing it whereas if they get really into it and they're in pain and discomfort it's not going to be all that easy to mobilize your thinking to change things because you're going to be thinking about the pain yeah that kind of thing so it's kind of like getting them to notice stuff at an earlier stage yeah absolutely that, that sort of thing absolutely it really is a preventative you know class it's a preventative method because what we are you know what a lot of research and what everyone's discovering about the repetitive stress injury that is especially, um, you know, susceptible or the office worker is especially um, vulnerable to getting the repetitive stress injury that we don't want to wait till, you know, there's um, debilitating pain or there's like uh, swelling, but we want to start catching, well, what are these, what are these aches that I'm experiencing? And, you know, how can I be a little more aware to see, is there something that I can change with myself, with my behavior, to kind of change the discomfort. Right. Um, is there anything else that you would like to uh, mention before we come to a close that we haven't covered? Uh, I, I guess, you know, I wanted to mention just that right now in, in the field of ergonomics and in offices that it's a very open environment people want uh, opportunities to be able to do, do their work but also find how they can be a little easier at doing their work and there's also a lot of you know connections about mindfulness at the workplace and you know doing mindfulness trainings and i think everything's kind of falling together in a place where you know, it's looking very positive so that 
the employee is able to start taking more control over their own discomfort and um, exploring, you know, not just the equipment, but themselves and how they can interact with the equipment because, um, you know, it. it's funny because sometimes we, we, um, we think that we're non, you know, we, we think we can catch up to the computer, but the computer is tireless. And so it really is, you know, important for us to kind of take care of ourselves and um, be a little more aware of how we work with the computer. Right, right. And I'm glad you mentioned mindfulness uh, because that certainly is a, a bit of a buzzword these days yes. also. And really, uh, I, the Alexander Technique is is for sure a form of mindfulness oh, yes. a, a, with a particular focus on our physical mechanism and how yes. we can... Um, make changes, useful changes in it by uh, our thinking. So, uh, I mean, Alexander, Alexander technique certainly fits right in with that uh, yes. that field for sure. Uh, absolutely, because you know, and I was I was just talking to an ergonomics colleague from another university the other day, and she had never heard of the Alexander technique, but she was telling me how she was really interested in mindfulness and how to do some mindfulness training for employees because she also believes that a lot of times it's their unawareness and their behavior that's causing a lot of the discomfort. And so I gave her a little introduction of the Alexander technique and she was, you know, she was completely um, on the same page that, oh my goodness, yes, this is what, this is the Alexander technique is kind of that bridge you know, of mindfulness, of physicality, of habits that we can really start to share with people. So I think there's, she was very open to it. And I think the same is true for a lot of other ergonomists. Well, I think that's a a great place to bring our conversation to a close. Uh, My guest today has been Leah Zhang, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Los Angeles. And she also works uh, as an ergonomics specialist at UCLA. Now, if you're, if, well, if anything that we have talked about uh, intrigues you and you live in the LA area, we'll put a link to her website by the interview. And uh, I'll also put a link to a site that will give you more information about the Alexander Technique and allow you to find an Alexander Technique teacher in your area. Leah, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much, Robert.